Welcome to Mind Over Miles, a show about the mental lessons learned and practiced on the run. In season one, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the book I'm writing about the mental side of running and motherhood. I'm sharing the interviews I've done for the book with professional, elite, and regular runners who are also mothers. Thank you to all my interviewees, and thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Today's episode is with Allie Feller, the host of the incredible Allie on the Run podcast. She is also a freelance writer, a race announcer, mother to four-year-old Annie, a former dancer, and a huge fan of peanut M&M's. Drop me into your day. What has your day looked like today? Oh, what does my day look like? I got up at 4.30. I always get up at 4.30. Uh, for a while, I was getting up and running. And then it just got so, so cold. I live in New Hampshire. And so uh, for a while it was fine. And now it's just like, it's not super safe out there. It's just a lot of black ice and you just don't know. Uh, So now I've been waking up early to get stuff done. So I, this morning got up at 4.30. Um, I'm on my phone as soon as I wake up. I know that is not what you're supposed to do, but that is exactly (laughs) what I do. Um, It's like, I have an order. It's email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter various websites, um, all while I'm kind of brushing my teeth, going to the bathroom, doing that whole thing. Uh, this morning, then I went right downstairs. I have the Peloton treadmill, which we have down in our basement. So I just did two 10 minute strength classes, which are like, you mostly get to lie down like a core class. You're just kind of <laughs> down. Um, so I got those in and then went upstairs, started to get some work done on my computer. And I think I was like 10 minutes into getting work done. And our daughter, Annie woke up. Uh, she's been waking up very early, which means um, I used to get like a good two and a half hours to myself in the morning. And now it's a good like 20 minutes, uh, but I'll take it. It's still something. So, um, but she wakes up happy. So it's like, it's fine. Um, so she got up and we kind of have some family time. Um, you know, my husband and I will go up there and our dog we go up to, into her bedroom. We'll snuggle, we'll play. Um, and after doing that for a little bit, it transitions into like start the day mode. And my husband and I, um, gosh, at least a year ago, we're like, okay, we're going to delegate. We're going to have, we made everything into a system. Like it is not, it is very unsexy. Everything is delegated, organized. It's a system. We play to our strengths. So he goes downstairs. He's the food guy. So, um, mm-hmm. our daughter was, she's in school today. So he goes downstairs, he starts making her breakfast and then he'll pack her lunch for the day. I get her dressed. I do her hair and I pack her backpack. So like, you know, She's three and a half. They need like a sheet and blankets and spare clothes and all that. And then we're all downstairs. We had breakfast together. Um, I ate a, a muffin that I warm up in a mug um, and I'll sit with her and eat while Brian packs her lunch. Um, someone will let the dog out. I go to the bathroom and get dressed. We trade off who does drop off and pick up. I was on drop off duty today. Um, so then, you know, she was, she was up early. So we had a lot of time to play this morning. So, um, <laughs> did some laundry while we were doing that whole thing and then got her off to school. So her school is like just under 20 minutes away. So drove her there, dropped her off, spent some time in the classroom, which is always, you know, Oh, nice. Cute. Um, 
And then what have I been doing? I came back home. I just edited a podcast episode. I went for a run. I took a shower. Um, This is my to-do list for the day. It's disgusting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, I was traveling this weekend, so I'm like very behind Um, going into a busy week. So today is just kind of nonstop. And then as soon as you and I are done talking, I'm recording a podcast episode. We'll pick up Annie. We'll play. We'll have dinner. And we go right into the bath bedtime routine get her to bed, back to work. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the day. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I like, I like systems. So that isn't, that doesn't sound unsexy to me. That sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah. It just, we found that like, especially early in the pandemic, there was a phase where Annie's sleep, like her sleep goes through phases. She's either an amazing sleeper or like we went through a dark time. Um, what was it? Probably a year and a half ago where like we, one of us had to lay with her until she fell asleep at night. Mm. And that could be an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was, you know, and so then at one point we were like, you just have to go to bed with her and just commit and just sleep in there with her. Then you can't like, it was just, it was very unsustainable. And so we were, you know, to eliminate the like 3am fight when she would wake up crying of like, who's going to go in, who's pretending who went last time we were like, (laughs) we just delegated. So one person is always on duty every other night. You're either on bedtime, overnight and morning duty. So like if she wakes up during the night, it's you. If she wakes up at 4am, it's you. Um, and then, you know, once she's up, we're all together, but, um, that way, you know, you're either on duty or off duty. Um, if you're yeah. off, you're doing the dishes, you're cleaning up from dinner. Um, you're letting the dog out. If you're on duty, you have the monitor on your nightstand and yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not sexy, but it has eliminated many middle of the night fights and any confusion. Like you just always know, um, you know, if you're on or not. Yeah. That's nice. That clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So going back to when you became a mom, how do you feel like that changed? Like since then, how do you feel like that's changed how you approach running or who you are as a runner? Um, yeah, I feel like everyone talks about like moms get faster. Like once you're a mom, you have these like superpowers as a runner. And I really went into my pregnancy and postpartum period hoping for that because people will also tell you pregnancy will destroy your body and you're going to pee your pants on the run and like all the doom and gloom stuff. And I tried really hard to focus on the positive. And I was like, no, I want to be one of those women who gets faster after having a kid. And I didn't know like why that happened. Um, I didn't know if it was like a science thing or a hormone thing or just a stress press for time thing. So you have to be efficient. And I, I was lucky in that my pregnancy and delivery were uncomplicated. Annie was only five pounds. So my recovery from giving birth was was pretty easy. There was no tearing, um, you know, no ab separation, no major issues there. So, um, I was able to get back on the run after the six weeks, which I know that's the guidelines there have changed a little bit, but that was when I got the go ahead from my midwife, um, and my care team. So, um, the biggest thing, yeah, is the efficiency thing. Like I don't have time to mess around on the run. I don't have time to waste. Like, if I want to run, it's at four 30 in the morning, it's on the treadmill, it's in the cold and the dark, it's during nap time. Um, cause I don't want to be away. Like, yes, I need the break in my day. Like I do, I need the me time and I don't want to miss a thing. So a lot of the times that means running before Annie's awake or during nap time. Um, 
or when she's at school, obviously I work for myself, so I have some flexibility there, but, um, yeah, I think it's made me stronger. It's made me, all my priorities have changed since becoming a mom. Um, but I think, yeah, the biggest thing I do feel stronger. I did not know how physical new motherhood would be. That was absolutely Mm -hmm. shocking to me. Um, I was in, I don't want to say constant pain, but I just remember, you know, for the first nine months after giving birth, it's like, you're just looking down all the time and my back pain. Cause you're either looking at your baby or you're holding your baby or you're pumping, or you're just looking at your boobs all the time, just (laughs) always looking down. And, um, I just remember being like, Holy cow. And even now my daughter's three and a half and she loves to be held and carried. Uh, and I want to always be able to do that. I want to keep up with her. I want when she like jumps up off the ground and runs laps to the house, I want to do that with her. And so uh, it does mean taking care of myself and doing what's required to keep up with my kid forever. I don't, you know, someday she'll outrun me, but today's not that day. So just, yeah, um, yeah being really efficient with my time and and prioritizing. I'm not going to run a marathon anytime soon. I don't want to run. And some people do. So that's not a judgment at all. But for me, Mm -hmm. I don't want to run for three hours on the weekend and then be too tired to hang out with my kid. Mm -hmm. Other people can do that beautifully. For me, that is not the season of life that I'm in right now with a three and a half year old. So I'm sure that will change. I'm sure I might crave that at some point. But right now where it feels like she's growing up so fast, I want to see all of those changes firsthand. And so that means making choices that allow me to be around for as much of that as possible. Yeah. And then how do you feel like running makes you the mother that you are? Uh, It makes me more patient. It makes me nicer. I mean, I'm a better person when I go for a run. Uh, Mm -hmm. I... I'm nicer. I am more relaxed when I've had, and it's all the things, right? Obviously there's the endorphins, there's the, um, chemical component of that. It's also just, I've had that time to set sort of an intention for the day. I've, whether it's sometimes I listen to a podcast, sometimes it's music, just being able to be by myself, get a little workout in, be outside. Like that's big. I'll run on the treadmill if that's the option, but, um, and I like the treadmill, but being outside, it's just, I come back from a run and I will do whatever, like I'll come back. And if my husband's like, okay, I'm gone the rest of the day, you two are on your own and you have no car and there's a snowstorm and there's no (laughs) house. And I'm like, okay, like, is that ideal? No. But if I've gotten my run in, I can handle that. Uh, it Mm -hmm. just makes me, it just makes me me. Like I've been doing this. I've been running now for gosh, almost 14 years, which doesn't seem right. I don't feel like I'm old enough to have done anything for 14 years. And I still, (laughs) but, uh, this is very much a part of who I am. It's not just a thing that I like to do. Um, this, it, this helps make me who I am. And so it's really a priority for me to get that in and as soon as I do, I'm, I'm down for whatever. Like I can be a chill person. Um, I think my husband wouldn't agree with that most of the time. <laughs> let me get my run in and let me do it in the morning and I can be chill. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's if funny. you're like your teeth saying I can be chill. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm yeah. I've been, I've been trying to think of, uh, you know, I'm very far from needing a title for the book, but 
like people keep bringing up this idea of like, I'm, I'm a better person after a run. And I'm like, okay, well, like what can be the wordplay with that? Cause that is like definitely one of the most common themes. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you about mental strategies that you, or mental strategies or insights, attitudes that you use both in running and motherhood. And I was going to start with some specifics based on things I've heard you talk about. Um, and this is this one all the way back to you did an episode in 2018 about confidence. Uh, do you remember that one? 11. Yeah. 11 ways I've boosted my confidence or something. Yeah. 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 I really like that one. And the the things you brought up, you know, I feel like a lot of them I wanted to ask, how do these relate to your running or your parenting? And so one of them was not downplaying success. And I'm curious how that plays out in running or parenting for you. Yeah, um, that's a good one. That's a good, good question. I would say I was thinking about this on my run this morning of like, I feel like in new motherhood for me, I and even now sometimes I was desperate for anyone to tell me I was doing a good job. Like Mm -hmm. whether it was someone in my close circle or a loved one or a total stranger on the internet, it didn't matter. I, I was so, I had so much anxiety that I needed to be told you're doing a good job because I didn't necessarily believe it. Excuse me. I didn't necessarily believe it myself. Same with running. I don't really need people to tell me I'm a good runner because I don't really care if I am or not. Um, But I definitely will downplay my success. Like I ran three PRs last year and like I posted about them on Instagram and everyone was like, what'd you do to celebrate? Which is totally a question I ask people. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what am I going to do? Celebrate? No. Like we went home and it was Annie's birthday party. We celebrated her or like, I don't know. I, I don't celebrate my own success in any area of life. Um, so I guess I'm not really following my own advice. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that both of them in many ways, both parenting and running are in many ways, solo activities. Yes. You might be parenting with a partner, with a caregiver, with parents nearby, whoever's in your village, but I am my daughter's only mom. And for her whole life, I will be her only mom. And so I think there are obviously so many expectations and judgments that come with that. Um, I don't even know now where I was going with that, but I think it's just the idea that like, I'm never going to pat myself on the back. I'm never going to celebrate my success, but at my core, I know I'm a good mom. And on the run, I know I'm doing the best I can. That doesn't mean always going out and PRing. It doesn't mean always running my fastest time, but it means doing what's best for me on the run. And I think in motherhood too, I've learned that it's it's always going to be about doing what's best for Annie, but also knowing I need to factor myself into that equation as well, which is not totally what you asked, but my brain is doing its best. Yeah. That's no, that, that answers it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it is really hard to, to celebrate yourself. Yeah. But yeah, I think especially with motherhood, I, I wanted, and I still do like, there is no greater compliment for me than someone saying you're a good mom. Like that is the ultimate 
compliment. It's the ultimate assurance. It is like that right there is my love language. I'm also words of affirmation is my love language. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if someone, it can be a stranger on the street who sees me walking and holding Annie's hand. And if that stranger's like, you're a good mom. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that goes such a long way because there are so many ways to that I can doubt myself in both areas. I always doubt myself on the run. Like I'm a total mm-hmm. sandbagger. My husband calls me, um, what did he say? An accidental sand or an unintentional sandbagger because mm-hmm. I just don't know what I'm capable of. I don't think I've ever really fully pushed my limits on the run because I'm too afraid to. Um, and so I'll be like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'll probably run 10 minute miles in my race. And then I run like seven thirties and he's just yeah. like, <laughs> And people will be like, you're a sandbagger, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I just have a total lack of confidence and lack of awareness in what I can do. And I think that can relate to motherhood as well. That like, it's easy to tell myself I'm not doing a good job, but like, I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You also talked about going for exciting things without waiting. And this was, you're most talking about business opportunities. Um, and do you feel like that? also plays out in running your motherhood? I feel like I need to go back and listen to this episode. 28 <laughs> had a lot of like good advice that I could re reuse right now. I could use that pep talk. Um, not hesitating, right? Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think the biggest thing that immediately resonates with me there in motherhood is that motherhood is a constant stream of decision-making. Like mm-hmm. you're always making decisions, whether it is about what kind of, you know, right from the beginning, you're making decisions about, um, all the newborn things. Am I breastfeeding? Am I bottle feeding? Am I pumping? Am I formula? Like right away, you are just hit with decisions and they all feel so monumental. And as your kid gets older, they feel more monumental because now like mm-hmm. as they, the kid becomes more aware, you realize the impact of your decisions and you can really see them beyond just like, is this milk good for them or whatever? Um, so I feel a lot of decision fatigue often in motherhood that has especially, um, that's been a big thing during the pandemic is the constant decision fatigue. And so I do think that at some point you got to just decide without overthinking it. And that's something Mm -hmm. I've tried to be better at instead of like overthinking every decision that I make. It's like, okay, this is what we're going with. This is our decision. And now we make the best of it. And now we stick with it. Um, Trying to think if that one can apply to running. I mean, certainly in terms of just getting out the door in terms of running, like, Mm -hmm. How long do I sit and scroll Instagram every day? And finally, it's just like, oh my God, like, why, why am I like playing a Wordle archive game from like three months ago? Go for your run. Stop wasting time. So I think that one's a little more simple and maybe less um, overarching and poetic, but like, I'm busy. I don't have time to sit on decisions <laughs> anymore. I don't have time to like weigh the pros and cons about things with Annie or about getting out the door or running or deciding whether I'm going to run a race. Like I need to just make decisions fast and stick with them and stop hesitating and stop waiting. And that is one of my biggest, um, I'm not always good at that. 
So that's been a work in progress. It's really funny hearing these things from four years ago. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, this is fun to, <laughs> to bring them back up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one that you talked about was replacing but with and. Oh, and yeah. I've had a couple of people talk about um, this idea of both and, and I feel like that's kind of the same thing. And I, I really like, I think, I know I really need that reminder a lot. I get really into black and white thinking. Um, and so, yeah, I love that you brought that up. And so it sounds like something you still think about a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My yoga teacher taught me that one years and years ago, and I still do it. Um, for me, it's more the reframing of things, of knowing that both things can be true right? Like mm-hmm. I've used that a lot during the pandemic of like, I have a wonderful life and it's hard. Mm-hmm. I had a great day and I cried instead yeah. of the, but, because I think, but can take away from the previous point. Both things can be true. You can be so blessed and have the m- like my life, I have lots and lots of privilege in my life. And the pandemic has been super hard in a million different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, I think the, um, the reframing of that has helped change my perspective. And also I don't feel, I think it just, I, I can get into negative self-talk in every area of my life, um, as I'm sure many people can. And so just that tiny little word tweak is almost like a comfort for me. Like, okay, yes, Mm -hmm. both can be true. Like you can have these great things and it can be hard. You can love your child and need time to yourself. You can love being home and really need a girl's weekend. So I think just allowing myself permission to, um, to feel both things instead of needing to detract from one of them is, has comes into play in every area of my life. I use that all the time. Yeah. 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 It is, it is comforting. Yeah. Yeah. It's validating. Do you think, can you think of any other attitudes or mental strategies that you use both in running and motherhood? Yes. I I was like, I'm going to read all these questions and be so prepared. And now my brain is just like, did you do that? I did. I swear I read the questions. (laughs) Don't Um, I? (laughs) I can't remember anything. Um, (laughs) Mental fatigue is real right now. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think it's a thing that I come back to a lot is focusing on doing what I love. And yes, there's a lot that goes into parenting and, you know, just like life, there's a lot that isn't fun or glamorous. I don't, I don't love doing the dishes. I don't love grocery shopping and meal planning for the week, but if I can try to make the bulk of what I do, something that I enjoy and something that I love, like the reason that I run is because I love it. I get asked Mm -hmm. probably one of the most asked questions, how do you stay motivated to go for a run? And I'm like, I love it. Yeah, sometimes the weather's not great, but like I love running. And if there's a day that I wake up and I'm like, I don't feel like it, I'm not going to do it. Like mm-hmm. I'm a hobby jogger. I don't need to force myself to do something that I don't love. And I think that with kids from such a young age, they're they're put into so many scenarios where they don't have a voice and they don't have a choice and they don't have a say. It's just 
oh, to be a good kid, that means you listen. And to be a good kid, it means you don't question authority. Like, like get it. Um, but I want Annie to have a voice. I want her to feel comfortable using her voice. And so I want to model that for her. And I want her to see that I run because I love it. I Mm -hmm. never want her to think like, oh, mommy has to go for a run or oh, mommy's away from me because she had to go for a run. Like, I want her to say like, mommy went for a run. She's so happy. Look at her go. Like, oh, and then she came back and played with me. Um, Yeah. So I think, you know, like the world is a lot, especially right now. And I just really want to be the kind of role model for my kid that focuses on the positive without being delusional, right? Like I'm never, I hate the toxic positivity. Like that's so not my jam. Um, I don't want her to be detached from reality, but I want her to know that she has choices and she can choose to pursue things that she loves. And I want to model that for her. Um, I feel like I'm going, I know you said like go on tangents and I feel like I'm (laughs) only on the tangents. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) I'll think of good things after we finish our conversation. I'll be like, why didn't I talk about that? It's kind of. (laughs) No, you're not. You're not doing that. Um, Yeah. Are there besides going on a run, are there other things in your life where you feel like you're trying to model this idea of choosing to do things you love? I mean, I'm very lucky to get to say that my job is exactly that. Uh, what I do like, okay, so this is a big one. Um, when we were living with my parents, so my mom's a teacher and we lived with my parents for 15 months during the pandemic. And it was like, we were coming back from a weekend you know, just like not coming back, but like the weekend was ending. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom being like, telling Annie being like, well, I have to go to school tomorrow. And I like shot her such daggers. And I go, she means she gets to go to school tomorrow. Like Mm. have to versus get to has always been a big thing with me. I've always hated when people are like, I have to run 20 miles this weekend. Like not really. Yeah. (laughs) How lucky are you Mm -hmm. that your body is healthy enough that you chose to sign up for a race and that you get to go out and have this amazing experience of running 20 miles around wherever you live or wherever you are. And so I'm very big on get to like, um, even before I, I was, um, traveling for work over the weekend and before I was leaving, um, you know, Annie was sad that I was leaving, which that'll just break your heart. That's the worst. Um, and she was like, why do you have to go to Florida? And I was like, well, I get to go to Florida. I was like, I get to go work at a race. And it's really fun. Like I, especially because I do travel a bit for work, you know, it's starting to ramp up again with races happening. And I want her to know that if I'm not with her, it's because I'm doing something I really want to do. And it's really fun. And it's what I love. Um, you know, I'm sure someday we'll talk about you know, her, Brian and I will tell her about our jobs and our careers. And I'll get to say like, yeah, what I did, like it actually started as a hobby because I thought it would be fun. And now it gets to be my job. Like, and, and I know not everyone is as fortunate to be able to say that that is a privilege that I get to do that. Um, and I want her to know that, like, I don't ever want her to think like, well, mommy has to work. Like we always in this house frame things as get to, it's always that we get to, that we're lucky to get to do it, that we like it. It doesn't mean we like every part of it on this to-do list today. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff I'm going to put off for several days. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do some of this stuff, 
but I also love my work and I love my job. And I, I would not, um, you know, one of the big decisions when you have a kid is what you're going to do about childcare. Am I staying home with you? And for the first year and a half until the pandemic hit, it was part-time so that we had a part-time nanny who came with us a couple mornings a week. And then I was with Annie and I figured out a way to make both work because I really, I was torn. I didn't want to miss anything. And I care a lot about my career and working makes me a better person and a better mom. Like it, it's an outlet for me. It's part of what defines me. Um, and it's so cute because like, she'll see on my computer, I have like, you know, a sticker with my podcast logo and every time she sees it, she goes, Allie on the run. If I say oh to gosh. her, like, what's the name of my podcast? Allie on the run show. Like she knows the first year yeah. that I was an announcer at the New York city marathon, like her and Brian came into the city and I got them grandstand tickets so that like, they weren't there to cheer for the runners. Like they came to see me doing something really cool. And she was one, like, you yeah. know, but she smiled and waved from across the finish line and like, that makes it more meaningful for me too to feel like, okay, like, yeah, I'm not home on a Sunday, but like, it's because I'm doing something awesome that I can't wait to tell you about. And, um, so that's, you know, I think the more that we can involve her in whether it's the day to day, like, you know, there are times that at the end of a long day, she's home after school. She just wants to watch TV. And so I'll bring my laptop down and I'll sit next to her and I'll have my headphones on editing a podcast episode. Like she's starting to really get what we do. Um, and we tried to talk to her about it and involve her so that we can share that excitement when cool things happen. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, my husband, and I both work for ourselves and like choose what we do for work and I've, and we have full-time childcare and I've thought like, you know, Oh, what's going to happen when, Right now, Ada doesn't care that I work like she, you know, she doesn't know or, you know, can't talk or communicate about it. But like eventually she will. And um, I hadn't thought of, you know, I just have kind of worried about how am I going to explain this? That Like I choose to do this. Um, And I really like that way that you frame it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think it shows kids that they can get excited about things in their life and just the way that you do. Yeah. 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 Okay, so this is a question I started asking kind of partway through doing these book interviews because I I don't want the book to be all like rosy butterflies. We figured out our problems, tied it up in a bow. And so what's a challenge that you're in the middle of right now? And this could be in running and life and in, in parenting and business um, where like you haven't gotten to the other side of it yet. Oh, um, being stretched too thin. Um mm-hmm. I mean, getting very in the nitty gritty is like, we don't know where we're living in six months um, because we're renting a house right now. And so, and there's no availability and we can't buy it. So like, that's a very specific problem. But I would say um, for me right now, bigger picture is that um, in work, I'm stretched very thin. Um, I have more on my plate than I personally can handle, um, even with like a few people helping me with little things here and there. And it's really hard not to let that bleed into every area of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to say like, Oh, but Annie wakes up happy at five 30. So it's cute to snuggle. And when she wakes up at five 30 and I thought I was going to get two more hours of work done, 
or get my run in or whatever, like whatever I need to check off. Right. Like that's not leisure time. That's like, get shit done. So when I've lost two hours, it's really hard not for me not to go into panic mode with that. Yeah. Um, And I remind myself it's a phase, right? Like up until very recently, she was sleeping until seven 30 every morning. That was an amazing time. Like the, the fate, they're all phases, the good ones and the bad ones. And I remind Mm -hmm. myself of that all the time. Don't get too comfortable in the good phases and know that the bad phases are just that they're phases. So I would just say it's that um, my husband and I both work for ourselves. We are both entrepreneurs. We both love what we do, which means we're both happy to do it all the time. We're happy to do it at 4.30 in the morning and we're happy to do it at nine o'clock at night. Um, And we want to be there for our kid and there's too much to do. And we work for ourselves and everyone thinks that means we can take a vacation anytime we want. But what it really means is a vacation means you literally don't get paid um, so it's, it's just a constant. And again, I know that we're so we're privileged to work for ourselves and to have a roof over our heads and all of that. And, and not, but, mm-hmm. um, and it's sometimes for me, it is hard to be fully present when I'm thinking about all the things I need to do and it's household things. And it's, it's mostly work things. Like I don't, Mm-hmm. I don't lose sleep over if there are dishes in the sink. I don't care. Um, I'll get to them when I get to them. I do care when I know that I have clients waiting on me, when I have an episode that needs to get out, when I have sponsors who need things or people waiting to get back to me, or I have to reschedule a meeting. Like those are all things that do weigh on me. I am a people pleaser. I like to make people happy. I don't like to be in inconvenience to people. And so, yeah, I would say there are, there are absolutely times that I, and I'm working on it. Like I really spent a lot of time this weekend thinking about it, just like needing to be more present because it is so easy to play a game with your kid with one hand and have your phone in the other. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that all the time. Um, so yeah, that's something I want to be better at. I wouldn't say it's like a catastrophic problem, but I do think it it's hard to be present when there's so much going on and so much relying on me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think about Louisa from Encanto. I don't know if you've seen it. But no, but I've heard so much about it. <laughs> great. We watched it again last night and I was sobbing. Um, you know, but her whole thing is that like, she's super strong. That's her gift that she's been given is like mm. super strength. She can lift donkeys and pianos over her head. Um, but then it gets to be too much for her. And she doesn't want to admit that it's too much because she's the strong one. Um, uh. And that's her powers that she's so strong. Um, and so, you know, she worries about like, well, if I'm not strong, who's going to be the strong one. And if I'm not strong, what's going to happen to all the things that I lift. And um, so I think a lot, that's why like a lot of parents have deeply related, especially with that character, because it often feels like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders with everything from the little daily decisions of like, oh, the things you need for school, are they clean? Are they packed? Are your, you know, do you have enough diapers? Are you, are we potty training? Are we, did you get a bath today? Like all the little stuff. And then there's the big stuff. And then there's like, how much should we have saved for your future? How much should I have saved for my future? Like, it's just, it feels like it's so much all the time. 
Um, and so I would say that's the biggest phase I'm in right now of just kind of feeling like, um, especially with all the school closures and yeah. all that, um, at times it has felt very insurmountable lately. And that is really hard. And so many times I've said, I'm at my breaking point. I'm at my breaking point, but I haven't totally broken yet. Um, so that's coming. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> it will, and then we'll rebuild. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, there's there. I have a couple other notes of things you've talked about on other podcasts, and one was, and this might have been actually from um, your early postpartum episodes after you had Annie, yeah. and you talked about like hating how much help you need to you know make keep a child alive. Um, and I'm curious, you know, right now, how you feel about help? Does it still feel like this thing you resist and hate or yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. It's a big one. Um, this is a big one. I think for everyone, it's a very big one for me. I don't want help ever. I mm -hmm. want to be able to do it all. Like, I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to need it. I don't even want to accept someone's offer for it because to me, then I feel like I'm showing weakness. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, I needed someone else to swoop in to do the thing I couldn't. And that reflects poorly on me. Um, and again, these are all things that I say to myself that I would never say to anyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but right from the beginning, it was very clear that I couldn't do it all on my own. And I also refused not to. Help is also so hush hush in motherhood. I this has been one of my biggest, um, I don't know if it's a trigger or forms of resentment is that we see all of these women on Instagram with like four kids that are all perfectly behaved and perfectly dressed and their kitchens are immaculate and their hair is done and their makeup. And they want you to think they're super mom getting their kids off to church on Sunday. And no one's admitting that they have two live-in nannies and grandparents in the in-law suite attached to their house. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's such a, I don't know, like no one, no one's admitting how much help they have. Um, every time I see a headline about a celebrity, about motherhood or, you know, like parents magazine or whatever, they always put celebrities on the cover because it's what sells. Those articles are such bullshit because <laughs> How about you put the nannies on the cover? And I'm not, to be clear, nannies are amazing. And having that help is great. For me, it's the, there's like a deceit around it where people yeah. are admitting the help they have. And that does a disservice to everyone involved. It's awful to the people who are helping you because you're not giving them any credit. And it's doing such a disservice to all the fellow parents out there because okay, you want to be seen as this do-it-all perfect mom, but like, then we all feel like we have to be that and no one is and no one can be. And so that's been a really big point of frustration for me since day one is feeling like no one is saying, yeah, my kids are in school full-time or yeah, I have a, a nanny. I interviewed, um, Sarah Vaughn recently, professional runner, Yeah, four kids and is awesome. And I asked her, I was like, how are you doing all of this? Hoping that I would get an honest answer because usually we don't. And she was like, we have a live in nanny. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I do it. I have a live in, like, I have a nanny. 
who lives with us. And three of my kids are older and self-sufficient. Like mm-hmm. that's how I do it all. And I was like, I love you. Like <laughs> I love you. because no one is having those honest conversations. I even find that in like with people that I know, like it's not just magazine covers. It's like, even among my friends, like a lot of people aren't, it just feels like everyone, myself included, we all want to be seen as this, like, I can do it all mom. Um, instead of just being like, I'm doing a lot and I have help. Like yeah, Annie, Annie is in school full time. I would not be able to work and do all the other things if she weren't. Her school closed down recently and we got by pretty scrappy for a couple of days. And then Brian's mom was able to come up and stay with us for a couple of days so that we could work. Like it was awesome. It was great. And it's good for everyone. It's good for your kid to know that they are loved by lots and lots of people. Mm Mm-hmm. It's good for the parents because you get a break. Or, well, it's actually not a break. You get to work or do what you <laughs> do. Uh, but I think that's been my biggest thing around the idea of help. Like, yes, on a personal level, I don't want to have to ask for it. Really, the only person that I will ever ask for help is my mom. Like, I'm very comfortable asking my mom for help. Um, beyond that, I'm still not so good. And I'm grateful for the help that I have. I am grateful that Annie is in school. That is no secret that she is in school. I post pictures of her heading off to school all the time. Um, it It's more that I wish people were more honest about needing, wanting, asking for help because there's absolutely no shame in it. It's good for everyone. I just think that I wish that people, especially online, were more honest about it because it doesn't help anyone to play the like super mom, I can do it all card. Like by being a mom and loving your kid, you're a super mom. Like that's the requirement. Your mom, do you love your kid? Look at that. You're a super mom. Like Mm -hmm. I don't having, I don't know. So that that's been the biggest thing for me is feeling frustrated that I look at these like perfect Instagram moms who like work out for two hours every day and they're this big and they have blowouts and their makeup done and their kids are always perfectly dressed and well-behaved. They have dinner on and the they table. homeschool them and they work and, yeah, yeah. and then they have like a live-in staff, which is fine. Like that's great. Good for you. Like do it, but don't hide it. Um, yeah. I, I think that does a disservice to everyone. Yeah. I, yeah, I see a lot of, um, yeah. Other people I know recently have had babies. Like so many of them are really think that they can work and take care of their baby full time. And like, are very, almost feel like, are like, they're very confused that like, it's not working. And I'm like, well, of course this doesn't work. Like, like no one's actually doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, I sent Ada to daycare at five months. Like that's how I'm working. Like mm-hmm. you definitely cannot do both. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just want people to be more, um, more straightforward about it. And like, not feel the shame around it. And, you know, I feel shame around it sometimes. And I think it's because it's such a pervasive issue where it's this constant cycle. So yeah. 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 Hot topic. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Let's see. So some other things I've heard you talk about is that you had felt like, I think this was from the postpartum episode that it's, it's hard to feel like you're the more anxious person who is more worried about emergencies or just daily life problems. Um, and then I, I've 
thinking of your confidence episode in that one, you talked about like, I'm always trying to not be this worst case scenario person. I'm like, oh, this is me exactly. (laughs) I've not evolved from that for what it's worth. I'm always worried about something. Always, always. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so are there any things that you'll do sometimes that will help for a little bit with that or yeah, anything that's, that's helping you with that? Yeah, I do therapy now. I have weekly, yep. um, bi-weekly therapy appointments where mm-hmm. like I get to talk about everything that's on my mind. Um, and I didn't do that right away after Annie was born and I should have. And I don't want to say I wish I had because like whatever. Um, but yeah, having a therapist is very different than having a best friend is very different than having a partner is very different than having a parent. Um, because when I spill my guts to my therapist, I do not feel guilty at all. I'm not like, Oh my God, I'm dominating the conversation. Or I'm not like, Oh, I'm not being a good listener. I'm just talking too much. That's her job. And I pay her a lot of money to listen. So (laughs) yes. Yeah. Um, so I mean, honestly, that's been uh, the, probably the biggest thing for me. And I didn't do that right away. I didn't, um, I didn't prioritize getting the support that I needed. Um, I got the help that I needed in terms of finding like the best, nanny ever, um, who I miss every day because she's still in New Jersey. And, um, we stopped getting to be together at the pandemic when it started. Um, we still talk to her all the time, but, um, yeah. Um, I got the help that everyone else needed and I got that, but I never prioritized my own emotional well being during that time. And I definitely suffered because of it. Um, And I'm always going to be that person. I think, you know, I've had anxiety my entire life. Like since I was a kid, I can remember dealing with that. Um, Wasn't really like talked about back then. Now I'll talk about it all day long because everyone has Mm -hmm. has anxiety (laughs) for the club ever. Um, So yeah, now it's like, it's no secret. um, But I do very much think like that's how I'm wired. Um, I have to learn how to cope in different scenarios. but therapy has been the biggest help there. And I'm still a mess. So it's not. <laughs> not yeah. Therapy is. Yeah. I am a big fan of therapy. Anyone who I know doesn't go to therapy. I'm always like, you should go to therapy. It's so oh, good. Same. <laughs> like I act like I get commission off referrals. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, no, you should go. You should do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if, if you're comfortable with sharing, I'm curious have there been kind of takeaways that you've gotten that like looking back on now, since you've started therapy, the kind of any like big things that you feel like have shifted for you? Um, the, I mean, recently the biggest one for me, um, came last November. So I went to New York city for the New York city marathon and I had like the best week ever. And the come down was so hard for me after that. And I didn't run the race. It wasn't post marathon blues, Um, but you know, I was there for four days, five days and I was on top of the world. I was there by myself and I got to see lots of people. Like it was just, I had the best week ever. Yeah. And then like reality hit hard when I got back. It's also like, I hate the holiday season. I'm totally fine being a Grinch about that. Like I'm not (laughs) miserable the whole time, but I'm not like, hell yeah. Like let's host Thanksgiving. Like I can't wait to buy lots of presents. Like I hate presents. I hate giving (laughs) the, like, I enjoy being together. Um, 
I don't enjoy like all the chaos around the holidays and I never have yeah. I always get sick the week of Christmas because I'm so anxious about it. Um, actually, I don't think I got sick this year. I probably did, but, um, <laughs> so anyway, I was having a really hard time after getting back and talked to my therapist about it. And she was like, you are a love camel. I was like, oh, I love this. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I love this reference already. And she was like, you go through life starving yourself of what you actually want and need because all you care about is making sure everyone else has what they want and need. She goes, like a camel, you starve a little bit and you can go a really long time like that. She goes, and then she goes, you got to have a week where you binged and now you're back and you have to readjust to starvation and you have to like reset that um, because that's how you live your life. And I was like, Whoa. Yeah. I refer to myself wow. as a love camel all the time now. Uh, <laughs> haven't again, haven't fixed it. Um, but I guess just seeing like the longer term effects that being a people pleaser can have and being someone who only cares about how everyone else is thinking and feeling. Like I've told her before, I'm like, all I want in life is to be everything to everyone. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to think I'm doing a good job. And if I can make everyone happy, I'll be happy. And she was like, you absolutely will not. Like, that is not how life <laughs> works, dear. Um, You're like, no, I'll be the one person who does it. <laughs> watch me. And she was like, so exhausting. Um, so I think that's been, you know, and that's not specific to running. It's not specific to parenting. Um, but I do think there is a tendency among mothers where we put everyone else's needs before our own. And I shouldn't speak for anyone but myself, but like. I've always been that way. I think I'm, you know, and I hope I'll always put Annie's needs before mine. I kind of feel like that's my job as her mother. Uh, but I've also, in doing that, I've totally neglected my own needs. And sometimes a one hour run in the dark in freezing temperatures is enough for me. Um, and other times it's not. Other times I need a week long binge, apparently. So I think that learning, um, and I'm sure this is going to take me my whole life to figure out, uh, I don't know, the oxygen mask theory, right? Like mm -hmm. take care of yourself first. I don't know that I'll ever get to that point, but, um, maybe I can learn to put mine on at the same time as someone else's, or at least get like a little bit closer. So work in progress, but that was a really big one for me of like, oh, I'm starving myself of like, everything because all I care about is feeding everyone else. And so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a powerful metaphor. I haven't heard that before. I know I asked her at our, at our session after I was like, I have a question. I was like, did you make that up? Or did you learn that in therapy school? She was like, Oh, I just made it up. I was like, it's amazing. And I love yeah. it. It's going to be the title <laughs> of the biography. Yes. The love, love camel. camel stars. <laughs> Learned no lessons. <laughs> That could be a really good kids book, actually. The Love Camel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Filling up his hump with hearts. And yeah. Then, yeah. There's something there. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about that, do you, you know, what comes to mind that was like, okay, the things that really filled me up over that weekend, what are those things that really matter to you? You know, we know running is one of those things that fills you up. Like, what else do you feel like your kind of day-to-day -day life is maybe lacking in terms of filling yourself up? Oh, connection. That was the biggest mm -hmm. thing. I was 
in person. I was with people. I was in my element. I surrounded myself with only my, you know, my time there was limited. So I had to pick and choose who I was going to see. And I only picked and chose the people I wanted to see. So it was just like five days of being with people. I love people. I've made a living out of talking to people, but I do it alone to a computer most of the time. Um, yeah. you know, before the pandemic, I was out more like living in the city. We lived first in New York city and then in Weehawken, New Jersey. And I would go out with Annie in the stroller and run into 50 people I knew. Like that's just how city living works. Now we're in a town, a small town, and we love it. And I know lots of people here, but it's an effort to see them. Like, yeah. And we don't have time. Like it's just every, it, it's harder to see people. And um, so that was a big thing for me. Like I recharge with people. Um, I can recharge alone too, but uh, it was getting to do what I love around people that I love and, and feel the in-person connection. That's like the, definitely the biggest thing missing from my day to day is being with people more. Yeah. Yeah. So gotta work on that. Yeah. Which is, which is hard to do. Like you said, yeah. When it takes effort in a small town, when and it's, it's a pandemic, a pandemic like, and, yeah. Yeah. So, ugh. yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, has there been anything we haven't talked about that had come to mind for you thinking about running in motherhood? I mean, the biggest thing I was thinking is that like, I, I've run all of my personal best times in every distance since becoming a mom, uh, not the marathon, but I haven't raced any marathons since becoming a mom. Um, so I know that does like paint the rosy picture of like, look at me, I'm faster and stronger after having a kid. But, um, that was something I was worried about. I was worried about how running would fit into my life. I was worried that I wouldn't have time to run. I was worried that, you know, I wouldn't get to do a thing that I loved anymore. And it's about making, I don't like to call them sacrifices. I just like to call them choices. And Mm -hmm. it's about making those choices and prioritizing and, you know, running for 20 minutes instead of doing the dishes, like whatever. So that for me has been really encouraging that I have gotten stronger on the run. Um, I know that's not true for everyone. So I feel lucky to get to say that, but um, I thought that I might never run fast for me relative. Right. I thought I might never do that again. I thought like, well, I probably won't PR again, but maybe I will. Um, And there's so much inspiration when it comes to moms and running right now. Like it's the best time probably in history right now for moms on the run. And I'm really encouraged by that. And so, um, you know, maybe all my PRs were last year and I might not run anymore, um, run faster now, but, um, I'm still enjoying it. And I know that it makes me a better mom. And that is really important to me. And I want Annie to see that it's something that I love. I love when she comes to a lot of the time I announce these races and there's usually a kid's race. So she gets to do those now. And, um, you know, at the last one she did, I, um, I was on the microphone announcing. And so I was going to like watch her run while announcing. Yeah. <laughs> and she insisted I run with her. So I was like running with her, holding her hand and announcing. And it was totally chaotic. But I was also like, this is awesome. Like, yeah, I'm at work and experiencing this with my kid. I was like, before the race, I have pictures of it. 
Um, she wanted me to do an Elsa braid in her hair for the race. Mm-hmm. I literally have the microphone tucked under my arm. I'm braiding her hair. And every five minutes, I'm like doing this on the microphone to tell people like 10 minutes till the start of this race. Cause I have to call people to the start line. So I was like braiding her hair and announcing like this. And I, and it was like, yeah, totally chaotic. But I was like, no, like, this is it. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Like I, in that moment, I was like, this is a little bit sloppy, but like, this feels as close to having it all as I, I will probably get. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, having it all is not glamorous and it's not easy and it's not like, it doesn't just happen. Um, but that I, it was Halloween. It was a Halloween kids race. She was in a little mermaid outfit. Um, and I'm like, I hope I remember that for a really long time. And I don't know if she'll remember it. She talks about it all the time. She oh. also, every night when I'm like, what do you want to do this weekend? I'll go trick or treating. Like <laughs> Every weekend she wants to go trick or treating. You might just start knocking on doors and then I you can should. get a connection with people. Exactly. And she can get candy that I will I'm eat. Here to, I'm here to talk to you and I'd like my child to eat your food. Yes. <laughs> trick or treat. Yes. We know it's February. Can we come in? We brought that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that works out for us. But that like, that's a, that's a day in motherhood that, um, and it wasn't easy, you know, and she cried like halfway through her race, she burst into tears and wanted to be carried. So I'm carrying her with the microphone, trying to announce. And like, she cried leaving. Cause I had to stay and announce the grown up races. And Brian took her back home. Like it was not a perfect day. It, there were meltdowns from everyone involved. Um, and there were moments of like, this is really good. And like, this is awesome. Thanks for listening to Mind Over Miles. You can learn more about my running and mindset coaching, the book, and everything else at mindovermilespod.com.